welcome to Movies I've Seen, a podcast driven by equal amounts of revenge and love. This is the episode about Friday the 13th. It's a short episode. I was originally going to pair it with the Child's Play, have two movies in one episode like normal, but the Child's Play discussion really got away from me, and I thought just leave it. Instead of having one 80-minute episode, I would chop it up. Please enjoy the spoiler-filled discussion of the original Friday the 13th movie. This is the discussion about Friday the 13th, 1979. Nope. 1980. 1980. Halloween was 79. Well. In the year of shoulder pads and short shorts. It sure was. Okay, so everyone knows the basic plot of Friday the 13th and... I've never seen it. You should explain it to me. I will explain the plot to you. I can say it real quick because maybe someone forgot. There is a camp, a summer camp in New Jersey. And I did did that for you. I know. Thank you. And in the beginning of the movie, two camp counselors get murdered. And then several... In 1958. And then several years later... The camp is going to open up again, and all the people in the town are like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And all the camp counselors are there two weeks early to get the place set up and ready for children. Mm-hmm. And they all get murdered, basically in one night. Yep. And it turns out that the murderer was the mother of a boy who drowned in 1957. The camp counselors were not paying attention, so she murdered two of them in 58. And poison the water in 71, I think. Yeah. And then has basically prevented the camp from reopening. Yeah. And then she murdered a bunch of people. And it's a very big reveal. Yeah. <gasps> Mrs. Voorhees, no. I think Friday the 13th is a beloved franchise for a couple of reasons. I know I love the series as a whole. They're very easy to watch movies generally. Yeah, very easy. I think Friday the 13th as a series, like, we're going to watch the whole series, Mm -hmm. but I just want to say overall, it has maybe some of the worst movies. I don't know. Have you seen Freddy's Dead? I don't remember that one. Yeah, exactly. Is that number four? Nope. That's uh, number six. That's the one that's in 3D and has Roseanne and Tom Arnold in it. Oh, I'm not going to watch that. No, you don't have to. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to pass on that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... I think mathematically, Friday the 13th, the original, gets most of its points on a scale of 1 to 10 for originality, for shock value, but as a heathen millennial, I can't give it points for originality and shock value because I already knew people got murdered before. Well, um, even as a non-heathen uh, Gen Xer, you could still not give it points for originality because literally they just made it to rip off Halloween because Halloween came out the year before and was extremely profitable. So they were like, let's just do that. <laughs> and it was extremely profitable. It was extremely profitable. Yeah. The, the originality points that it would get would be for the reveal of Mrs. Voorhees as the murderer because everybody assumes it's going to be a man or that they never will reveal the murderer at all. Right. But then it turns out to be a woman. And also because Jason is the star of every subsequent film, mm-hmm. everyone actually forgets that it's Mrs. <laughs> Voorhees. Yeah, they really do. Because Jason became an icon in his own right. Yep. People forget that it was her. Yep. That happened in the beginning of Scream. Yep. 
which we will talk about moment momentarily. Correct. Um. Um, so I would let me list the things that I like about Friday the Thirteenth, and then I will say my complaints because that's generally how the format goes here. Yes. Okay, my favorite thing about Friday the Thirteenth would definitely be Alice. Alice is the protagonist, final girl. She is the hero of the movie, and she's capable, charming, likable. Very easygoing, relatable. She's working at a summer camp with her ex-boyfriend, and maybe they're going to get back together. I don't know. He thinks she's really talented, and she is. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, she, her, she's not an embarrassment to women. She's just a regular person, mm -hmm. and she exists, and she's great. Yeah. And I really, even though she doesn't look very different from Laurie Strode. She looks very different from Laurie Strode. I mean, they're both like... It, they're both in late 70s dress. They both have fair skin, light hair, just like... Lauren had like brown hair. Alice has blonde hair. I don't think they look that different. Also, Alice has short hair and Lori has long hair. I, I know, but Did like... Did you watch the movie? <laughs> they, they look very different. Like, they, Alice, is, Alice is, is basically a ginger. Okay, but I mean like they look similar... They look like they come from similar socioeconomic backgrounds. They look like the same level of academic proficiency. All right. They both appear to be... I think Lori is... Okay, maybe in appearance-wise, yes. If you really want to break it down to like, oh, they're both like white girls who are from somewhere. Yeah. Like, but character-wise, like, Lori is much more of a stick-in-the-mud kind of character... Well, She's a Lori's book. younger, too. Maybe slightly. It's yeah. possible that Alice is, like, going into college or whatever, but, like, Lori's, like, in her senior year. But, like, Lori is much more of, like, a stick-in-the-mud type character. She's a bookworm. Yeah. She's kind of, like... She's a homebody, clearly. She doesn't go out and do stuff, which is a, uh, a point of contention for her friend and your favorite character, Annie. I love Annie. Yes. Um, and, uh, Alice is very much so more outgoing. She's more confident and self-assured. Um, she, like, has witty dialogue. She holds her own just before the murders even are discovered. Like, she's just, like, holds her own in conversation. She plays, like, strip Monopoly with them, and she's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, fine. She's smoking some weed with them. Like She's very independent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, I, I think that Alice is much more, um suited for final girl status than Lori is because while Lori does prove herself to be capable to protect the kids and survive and all that stuff like Alice like literally gets into a fight with the slasher in the movie and kicks her ass like a bunch of times right I think that Lori Strode is the original she is the origination point of the virginal archetype mm -hmm. well it's like I, we were when we talked about this uh what was it, a couple weeks ago i think it was uh halloween was the movie that created the slasher genre as it is and then i know there was a couple that predated it but like halloween is the the big thing splash. it was the big one that started the the, the trend mm -hmm. that was the movie that started it all and cr that was the movie that created the slasher genre friday the 13th is the movie that defined it I think that's a, a fair distinction to make between them. But just between, like, Final Girls, I like Alice so much better than Laurie because 
she participates much more in the action of the movie. I know she spends some time, like, cowering in a closet in a pantry. I mean, yeah, I mean, she just found all of her friends murdered, and she doesn't want to be murdered also, so she hides. It's kind of just a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> but like, That's what I would do. Yeah, I, I just think that her and Lori have very different roles. That's all. Um, Lori is trying to protect other people, whereas Alice is fighting for her own life at that point. Because literally, by the time mm. she even realizes what's going on, everybody else is dead. Mm. I think I like that, too. That Alice's struggle is for her own survival, which is, from a feminist perspective, different than the role that women are usually given, which is the role of caretaker. Yeah. And so, I, I like that. I, yeah, I understand why you prefer it. It's it's probably much more just compelling of a position for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Another thing. Okay, so that's the first thing I like the most about Friday the 13th is Alice mm -hmm. and how she's different from her predecessor. Uh, the next thing I like about Friday the 13th is almost everybody at the camp is likable, which at this point in horror movies, in the very beginning, there weren't very many despicable characters. Yeah, no, like this is back that, when they... That was added later on. Yeah, this is back when they were just making movies that had to have characters in them. Um... <laughs> People were not cheering for the killers yet, so there yeah. weren't... I mean, that's what they did on purpose, right? That's what Shelley is. I don't know. Later, later movies, I don't know if it had really hit by that point. I think Shelley was accidental. I think that Shelley was created um, more so out of uh, some patriarchal bullshit. Um, because Shelley is meant to be a character we feel bad for and we are sad when he dies. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really work. He's so annoying. He's very annoying. He talks. She Shelley is a character from Friday the 13th 3D. Yes. Which technically is part three, but that's not what the title is. It is. Not on my DVD. I'm pretty sure it's still called Part 3, but whatever. Um, yeah, Shelley is a character from Part 3. Um, he's, which, you know, when we get to that movie, we can talk more about him. But um, yeah, Shelley, characters like Shelley were not present yet in horror. Everybody's likable, fairly competent. When yeah. somebody's like, I'm going to go check out the generator, you're like, that seems like a good idea. You know where the generator is. You have been trained on it. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason for you to think there's an obstacle between you and electricity yep. besides the generator the generator malfunctioning. Yeah. Um yeah, there's nobody's doing stupid things. I mean, there is a comic relief character Ned who gets a bit grating. Um but you know, like we all knew that that person and it wasn't like cartoonishly over the top. It's he, not real. It's not unrealistic because yeah, no. they're in a work setting where they're all there to work it's not like why did they invite him to hang out with them they're all there working together yeah and we work with that person who thinks he's the funniest guy in the room and sometimes we laugh at what he does but a pie in the face would be funnier maybe yeah <laughs> please also uh set up those uh, set up those signs over there please <laughs> stop running around in that native american headdress don't fire arrows at innocent women i i just i can't even that you know what i don't know i that's kind of a stupid thing but it's a thing that's done in service of the plot and the girl like calls him out on it too i think they, do they so what in that scene though no so what happens is <laughs> they're all of the camp counselors are out setting up different parts of the camp yeah and 
Her name's Annie, right? That's Annie, I believe, yeah. No, Annie's the one from the Jeep in the beginning. Oh, yeah. The, that, cute the one with the adorable voice. Yeah, yeah the one that, that's my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. I feel so bad that she died. She's just... Aw, oh, gee whiz, mister. Thanks for giving me a ride halfway to Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, I'll just walk the rest of the way. Yeah. That's fine. I got my giant pack that's the size of me. You're an American original. <laughs> yeah, she's real cute. She's but... nice to that dog at the beginning. At least she got to meet a dog before she died. <laughs> Poor Annie. Poor Annie. The blonde woman is out setting up the archery range. The tall one. The tall one, who's yeah. blonde. She is out, yeah. and she's putting up a target, and then whizzing past her comes an arrow into the middle of the target, mm-hmm. and she turns around, and it's Ned, and he has fired an arrow within probably six inches of her arm. Yep. It's real close. Yeah. And... She is like, you're an idiot. That was dangerous. I'm kind of unnerved and scared. Yep. And Ned is like, oh, it's funny. It's no big deal. They, well, that I mean, that points out like what it is, what the movie is structured like in general, though. Like they, they have these characters established. We see some of their personalities, see their interactions with each other. But at the same time, we're also establishing all the locations that the movie is taking place in. Yes. So... You and know. also, it is paid off later when is. Ned is killed by arrows and his body is discovered stuck full of them. Uh, that was Bill. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And Ned oh, gets his throat slashed. Above Kevin Bacon having sex. Yes. Poor Bill. Poor Bill. He was a nice guy. He did not make unwanted advances on Alice. And he and, saved her from that snake. And he knew how to work but the generator. he did murder the snake, so. It was a fake snake. It was a fake snake. It's not real. Okay. So... <laughs> So, things... Do you have anything else you like about the movie? I guess the kills are really cool. Yeah, the special effects is good. Tom Savini, obviously. Um, I like Betsy Palmer's, like, very... She's doing, like, old-timey acting in her role. It's a good performance, don't get me wrong. But she's, like, doing, like, an old-timey acting performance in a movie full of, like, teenagers. Yeah. And it's just... It's very different. And when she shows up, you're like, oh, an adult's here. Maybe we're okay. I mean, obviously, if you don't know that she's the killer, I'm, I I knew from before I saw the movie. So I don't ever have that experience. But maybe some people watching the movie for the first time had that experience. Yeah, and they're or like, who oh, forgot? Oh, an adult is here. Thank God. And then she's like, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you're like, an adult's here. Thank God. And then she starts giving her performance. And you're like, this is weird. <laughs> what movie does she think she's in? And then she turns out to be crazy. And you're like... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's It fits perfectly into its role in the movie, and it was really good of them to cast somebody like that to play Mrs. Voorhees. She loved being in the movie. She still loves all the fans of the movie, and she does conventions. Fun behind-the-scenes story. Um, initially, she wasn't happy about being in the movie, and during pre-production, she was kind of reluctant not reluctant to do it, obviously, because she was already signed on, but she was kind of, like, regretting the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, up until Tom Savini was doing something off in a corner, and she's like, ooh, what is that? And he's he's working on, like, a, a head a head sculpt. Oh, the Jason head. Yeah, yeah. for Tiny Jason. And she, he's like, oh, this is this is your son, Jason. And she goes, "That what? And she said, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, your, your son is, you know, he's physically deformed. And then the role clicked for her and she like had some proper motivation and stuff to work with. And it got her interested in being in the involved with the project. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it's cool. She was game 
And I think that was, um, it's one of those things where, like, you get a serious actor on board in a horror movie, if you give them something, they'll they'll work with it. Yeah, she they'll really take, did. They'll take the material seriously, and I think that's why it's important for actors to not turn their noses up at horror movies. Yeah, I like her, too. Um, Alright, now I will say my complaints about Friday the 13th. It doesn't have a strong plot, really. Yeah. It's kind of just... It's a real loosey-goosey movie. It is, yeah. It's a it's a series of gags. Because like, horror movies... It's, it's well established that horror movies and comedy movies are very, very similar in their structure, execution, even like down to the lighting that they use. Yes. Um, so you have gags. Every scene has a gag, except for in comedies, you know, it's a pie in the face. In horror movies, it's an exploding pie in the face. <laughs> um, no, that's a Warner Brothers cartoon. <laughs> it's a knife to the face. Um... Yeah. So you got gags, and you write a scene around a gag. Yes. And then those scenes all happen in a sequential order, and you try to make it have some sort of through line. But with Friday the 13th, they were really just focused on replicating the success of Halloween, doing some cool special effects, and, you know, scaring some people. So they didn't really care so much about having a plot. It's just like, there's a group of people at this one location, because it's cheap to film that way. Sure is. And... One by one, they all get knocked off, and then we hope that maybe one of them gets away at the end. That's it. It wasn't anything groundbreaking. Nobody has a character arc. That's okay. That's not what the movie's doing. They accomplished what they wanted to, and it was incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. And I'm being a snob, but... No, you're not really being a snob, because, like, honestly, even the movie that that was its predecessor, Halloween, that movie had a plot. Yes. It was... There's a maniac on the loose. He's killing people. The only person who's taking it seriously is this one guy, and he's screaming at everyone, please do something. He's going to kill. And everybody's like, ah, whatever. I'll put up a roadblock and an all-points bulletin. That wouldn't stop a five-year-old. So, you know, that's the plot of the movie. Loomis has not really an arc. He has a, a fulfillment of his destiny, essentially. And Laurie kind of has an arc in the movie because she goes from being very, like, internalized and you're like, oh, no, is this girl going to be up to the the task of surviving this killer? So she, like, you know, evolves in that scene. Uh, What? No? No. Laurie does not have an arc. It's a bit of a stretch, I know. Yeah. Maybe she's going to go out with Ben Tramer. (laughs) (laughs) She can. He's dead. No. Uh, Well, no, he wasn't dead at the end of the first one. He dies in the second one. I thought, oh, he got hit by a car? Yeah, he was the one in in the other Michael Myers. Oh, the other William Shatner Well, he's paralyzed anyways. No, he's dead. You just said he wasn't dead at the end of the first movie. No, in the the first movie, Ben Tramer does not appear. He is mentioned. In the second movie, Loomis is chasing after somebody wearing a mask and dressed similarly to Michael. And that person runs away from him into the street and gets bashed by a car. I thought that was the first movie. No, that happens in the second movie. Oh. Well, they look really similar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben Tramer's dead. She's not going to go out with him. Uh, Lori has no character. <laughs> no, I, you, and... I, I'm, I I admit I'm, I'm stretching it a little bit, but like it's it has a plot. There's yeah, it has a plot. tension and suspense and atmosphere and all these things. And there's a, there's a big sense of urgency that Dr. Loomis brings to Halloween, and he's my favorite part of the movie. 
easily. Yeah, it's because there's, there's somebody who has awareness of the fact that murders are going to happen and or are happening. Right, and that element is completely absent from Friday the 13th. Yeah. There's not any fear in the camp counselors before they're murdered, really. There's some tension in the bathroom scene where there's some noises in the shower curtain rustling yeah. and the well, brunette girl also... goes over and gets murdered with the really cool hatchet in the face. Yeah. There's also the scene where the where the tall girl goes out looking for the person calling for help and stuff. There's tension that's built up. It's just that there's no through line because the characters don't know anything weird might be happening until the scene where they die. Right. They had an opportunity to do that with Ralph. Like, you know, have somebody, I don't know, find a body early on, but like... I don't know. And then they're like, it must have been Ralph or something. Just literally anything. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. It wasn't their priority. And that's fair. You know what I noticed this time, though, was when that tall girl goes outside and she hears someone calling for help. That's definitely Mrs. Voorhees calling for help. Yep. And I did not really put that together until just this past time watching it. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I forgot where everyone else was. Yeah, she's doing her... Uh... She's luring her out, mm-hmm. and that's why she has to go so far, because Mrs. Voorhees keeps moving, and very sinister. Yeah, and it pays off, too, because you, she does her, her little kid voice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my biggest complaint about Friday the 13th the lack is of plot. lack of plot and character depth, but... They weren't trying to do that really hard. No, not really. So, oh well. Yeah. Do you have any complaints about the movie? Uh, just that, really. It could have... Uh, oh, actually, one more thing. Uh, in addition to the lack of plot, the third act kind of is very clunky. Um, I know people hail it as like this horror masterpiece, but honestly, if you really pay attention to Friday the 13th and not just like the idea of Friday the 13th, um, the third act, it's starts it stalls pretty heavily yeah because by the time it's just down to alice and pamela running around the camp which is like the last 25 minutes of a 90 minute movie yeah i would say so um when you get to that point finally they're trying to build tension i get what they were going for but it's literally just a series of like three or four scenes in a row where the same thing happens over and over again alice is in a place Pamela tries to kill her. Alice over overpowers her, knocks her down, runs to another location, rinse, repeat. Yes. It, yeah, it's just fight, run, hide, fight, run, hide. Over and over again until finally they end up on the beach and she chops off Pamela's head with a machete. Aha! You can do that, that sequence of events in a much more exciting way. And it just, it was a bunch, it was a bunch of inexperienced filmmakers... I'm not going to be too harsh on them, but... I will. I'll be harsh on them. They're incredibly famous now, and they don't deserve the credit that they got. That's not true. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that that's the case. I think they deserve the credit that they have because they did something that at the time was a pretty big achievement. They did a movie for a low budget that Mm -hmm. made a huge return, and they kickstarted a entire phenomenon in the film industry. Yes. And, and on like the special effects were good. We can say that movie wouldn't be anything without Tom Savini. Yeah, he I could say that. Is a special effects genius. He was young and like just coming into his own and he had complete control at that point. Mm-hmm. And he 
just he made that movie worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. It's it heavily depends on the creative kills in the movie. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's pretty much my only complaints is like you said the plot and the uh, the, the clunky end of the third act. Yes, that's Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you still haven't seen Friday the Thirteenth and you still don't want to after this, probably nothing is going to make you want to watch it. Um, but if you're interested in starting out on slasher movies and getting into the horror genre, it's an easy one to start with. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a really great week. Remember to subscribe, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.